0: Episode 8. We are recording on the 7th of October 2018, which is a fair bit before our actual release date of the 16th of October. The reason why we're recording ahead of time is for for both myself, Elliot Page, and my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. Say hi, Andy. Hello, everyone. This is a hell month. A hell month. More for Andy than I. Um, Andy, as you can hear, is bearing up quite well under the whole stress of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, we'll we'll check back in a month and see whether I can make coherent sentences still. That that will be an interesting challenge for all concerned.
0: Well, if you're in a bad way when it comes to SLA, I don't know, I'll figure something out. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll sort of like pump you full of I don't know whiskey. I don't know. Shrug. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, that that will probably work by that point.
0: How about whiskey and pancakes? I think that gets my vote. If you even if you don't want it, I'll have them. sod it. Cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, completely off topic. There's a new pancake place opening in Glasgow this month, so pancake pancakes are on my mind a, a surprising amount at the moment so oh, uh, that's, that's very topical
0: oh, oh looking for that sounds great oh man man tesco here used to do pancakes in its menu for dead cheap but i think i was the actual only person eating them so now they're not on the menu anymore like what the hell
1: <laughs> i always hate those moments where there's something that clearly you are the only person in that in that supermarket that, that buys it and then it kind of goes away and you realize like oh that was just me then
0: yeah only, uh, i was the pan- pancake man as it turns out um Enough about pancakes let 's talk about manga, also um, novellas, as it turns out. Um, this is your fortnightly look at manga. we'll focus on drink discussion we 're going to try and keep the show tight to a nice little length to prevent it from ballooning into another everything and everything podcast. Um, as always, we will announce our next series ahead of time, um, so you can also read in and join in if you want to um we 've had some great responses and questions about the things we 're going to be talking about this week um first and foremost we um, launched a patreon just last week at the time of recording and massive 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 thank you to everyone who has looked at it considered it and even those who have signed up especially Um, because now as a result of our very kind um, pledges we are now sorted for hosting we that's one thing now completely off of our minds and taken care of which is a small but very important step Um, and also frankly very gratifying you know podcasts are an amazing medium i love them dearly but you do often feel like you're yelling into the void so thank you very much everyone who has signed up if you haven't maybe consider it i don't know from for over from one dollar a month you can get a bonus episode every month and we're going to be talking about that and also people get to vote on what we talk about for the bonus episode which you know interactivity it's you know it's 2018 fun times Um, So again, thank you very much for everyone who has signed up for that. Um, So um, without further ado, we'll actually get to the manga, like promised. So first and foremost, um, we are going first to our returning champions feature, which I thought we weren't going to have anything this week. But Andy, 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 you just had to remind me that I bought volume six of The Promised Neverland and forgot to read it. And so I had to basically sit down this afternoon to burn through it so I could talk, talk with you about it. (laughs) I mean, I didn't have to, but when you mentioned promised Neverland volume six and a DM to me, along with some rather excited noises, I was like, "Ah, crap, I got to read this, ain't I? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I,
1: I was going to say, like, I feel like I've done you a solid there. That That is time well oh, no, spent.
0: No. I'm I'm not going to complain. But no, please, Andy, take it away.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked about Promise Neverland a, a couple of times, like, uh, early on in the life of this podcast. We looked at the first volume, and then we, we burned through the remaining volumes uh, in pretty short order a, a few weeks or so later. Um, and then, uh, I mean, it, this whole kind of starting thing, like, it's kind of your fault, because I think we both thought that Volume 6 was coming out in November and then you suddenly shouted at me like, no, it's out now. Um, I thought it
0: was out in November. I swear to goodness. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I, I, we, we were maybe looking at like the physical release dates. I know that's like the end of October. So that's maybe what happened there. But uh, yeah, so you sent me that reminder. And so like this weekend came around and I, I very much made sure that I uh, set aside some time to, to take a look at this, because as we have discussed previously, this series has been real good, although, like, I, I think we we definitely had some caveats after Volume Five of like, you know, this is kind of a new dimension for the story, and it hadn't quite settled into any kind of you know rhythm or cadence for us to really feel comfortable with what direction it was heading headed mm. in. And mm. in a, in a way, it kind of it seems as if that particular chunk of the story was a little bit transitory, really, because I mean, Certainly, Volume yeah. Volume Six is basically it's quite a sea change in a sense because all of the volumes previously have been very much kind of cat and mouse kind of you know the the thrill of the chase if you like and kind of tr- trying to escape from from malevolent forces whereas volume six is very much focused on world building in, an, in a very literal sense like it, it takes the time to, to almost literally sit down and say okay so what is the state of this world like there's been a lot of kind of theories and assumptions that characters have have kind of dropped in around what's going on in the wider world outside of this weird kind of uh, orphanage slash farm that that the main cast were were initially trapped in but like nobody's actually known for sure Um, but then volume six kind of comes and fills in a lot of the gaps and kind of lays gives you the lay of the land you know in very much in terms of what is going on what the actual reality is of course it leaves a few things unspoken and there's a very clear sense of like wait these characters haven't been told everything yet mm. um so there's clearly more to be said but it's very much a sense of like giving you the big picture in terms of this is this is what the actual world is it kind of moves some of the goalposts as a result in terms of what this this group of kids who have who have escaped you know needs to do and you know what what that means for for what they want to do and what they've planned in the past. Um and it, it has it has some nice little twists at, at the end as well. Like there are there are some characters that crop up in this volume. And it, it kind of shows like one of the smart things that this series does because it it lays out it lays out a bunch of facts about these kind of characters and, you know, their motivations and their belief system effectively. But it also It it kind of lures the the reader into making assumptions based around that. And you kind of don't even realize you've made those assumptions until it kind of taps you on the shoulder towards the end and be like, actually, you just kind of assumed this thing. And this is actually slightly different to what you were probably imagining. Um, So it it does some smart stuff like that. It's also kind of at the point now where... I think because of, of the, the way the series has run up to this point, it actually doesn't have to work that hard in terms of uh, of kind of leaving the, the reader questioning stuff because you've kind of already reached a point where you're, you're on the same level of paranoia as the cast. Like, whenever anyone or anything turns up, like, you're instantly questioned. like, who are you? What is your motivation? Like, what are you hiding, if anything, et cetera, et cetera. And so it kind of, it it almost, it can be a bit low effort with that stuff because it's just got that drilled into you at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, I I really enjoyed this volume. Like, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's moved it on to another stage of the story, like, by the end of it. All of the world building stuff is really strong and interesting and it kind of, you know, it, it sets things out in, in a really fascinating way that uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing it explore. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of it continues to work well with the characters that it has, like they, they continue to all play to their strengths. So uh, overall, yeah, like I, I, I burned through this in no time at all. And yet again, I absolutely loved this volume of it.
0: Yeah, I feel like the one most painful part of this volume is that we now have to wait for Volume 7 to come along, God knows where. (laughs) Yeah. I'm almost tempted to find out if I can just buy a bunch of Shonen Jump volumes to get caught up fully, but then I'll be jonesing even harder for weekly releases. So, you know, that's just, you know, sticking more drugs in the van. Yeah, I I fully echo what you said. I mean, the thing in particular for me, like we say, at the end of Volume 5, I had quite a few qualms about where the series was going because of, like the first four vol like the first volume sets out the structure and then it goes through that. And it reached a slightly uncomfortable place where the series, as a series, it works best under certain boundaries and constraints and constriction of the characters. Like, I feel like that's when it works best is when, you know, you basically have a bunch of very interesting characters, like, like intellectually shoulder charging a wall that won't budge. And it's like, OK, well, let's see how this goes and in volume six they do quite a lot of very useful um segmentation of who knows what who sees what who believes what who is concerned about what you know different actors on the stage and makes it a lot more broad but it also does a very smart thing of just snipping off certain questions with the world building you mentioned where it kind of prunes the questions i was not very excited about if that makes sense Mm. um like certain questions about the state of the world and what their the goal of the characters gets really carefully readjusted and that really helps it because you know at the start you have a very strict um sort of dilemma and now and once they escape once once certain things happen it's like okay well what happens now like where 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 shall their energy go? And now it's set back up and it's you know it's penned the characters in again which is nice because it's like okay there's a thing to strive for here. And of course the last page of this volume is like a massive sort of like, okay, this is a big deal. Let's see where this goes, because you've already had quite a lot of uncertainty um plugged into the characters any characters you see, which is very helpful. Like, because um, this volume introduces more thoroughly a pair of new characters who are fascinating. And, you know, like you say, like you 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 make assumptions, but then you're you're falling into the traps of the series and it challenges you. I wonder what you thought about the um, oh, I forget his name, but the the sort of taller male hunter that you get introduced to. What do you think of his sort of like parting shots at the, at the reader almost when he's like sort of mentioning his uh, motivations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that twist. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. Like looking back on it, it's like, eh, maybe I should have seen that coming. But yeah, I don't know. It kind of it kind of works and fits in with the the characters as they've been built at that point, because, you know, that, that guy is, is very much set up as like, Oh, you know, everything that he is acting upon is based upon his, his faith and his belief system. And then like, when you actually slot in what, what he kind of brings to the table at the end of that volume, it's like, Oh yeah, that all totally fits in with everything he's saying. Like at at no point has, has he lied and there's no kind of, you know, plot hole in terms of, of, you know, any of that stuff, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting it's a it's a nice kind of little like chilling twist on on that world to to kind of you know further further complicate things in in terms of of that side of things and yeah, i know i I really like that that was quite a maybe powerful is not quite the word, but it was quite an intense little moment of just like oh right this you know this is how things really are here
0: yeah, I agree, I really like that because you know it also helps keep doors open for more interesting kinks in the tail later on of like okay the author knows enough not to just shut everything down when you can add a lot of texture and interest. And like, you know, characters have been shown to lie. And so who knows how much was truthful when they are already obscuring truth from each other as, as confidence and also to the rest of the cast. Um, And also I do like the fact that like, it's taking time, but more of the cast are coming into their own and they're not primary characters, but a lot of the secondary characters like Gilda and such you know, they, they will stick their oar in at times. Like Emma being the main character who nearly run herself dead almost, like run herself ragged trying to shoulder every burden that she could get her mitts on, basically gets taken aside and told, look, don't overdo it. Like don't, you're no good to anyone if you freaking kill yourself. And it's like, oh, like this is important. You know, this is important and this is an important character moment. Because it's like, oh, you know, being told by her friends and family, like, Emma, you you can't do everything. Like, I know you're the protagonist, but like, knock it off. So I really enjoyed that. That was a really lovely piece of like, oh, no, you know, the, you know, and also like the one thing I like about the series, which I kind of hit me this volume is that it's not like a cycle or, and it's not, you don't like have the designated suspicious person. Like, everyone has their blind spots and stuff they want to trust. Because they want to trust it, or hope to trust it, or that's what they want to see. But the the series will take turns having someone go wait a second and raise their finger. And that's the thing I like is that you know it's not like some it's, it's not like there's the one killjoy like um, deadpan person who's like mm, not so sure. You know, you have different people coming in at different times and going, hang on a second, hang on. So that really helps keep it interesting and also makes it you know it it doesn't feel even though it is kind of doing the same kind of cadence to a lot of its plot events it doesn't feel like it and that's meant in a really positive manner honestly because it's like oh you know this this feels more naturalistic you don't just have the one smarty pants who keeps poking their finger in and getting annoying
1: yeah i mean i think looking at the the early volumes of the series it it felt it felt like it could so easily have been like oh here are the three smartest kids and then here is a medley of other characters that really don't matter and may not even get names whereas here you know yes there are still kind of clearly the major characters but yeah like like you say some some of the other characters become important to the point where you know they they're not getting a massive amount of of kind of screen time as it were but they're still really important and even kind of some of the lesser lesser kind of characters it still feels like it is important that they're there i mean there's there's a really nice uh, little moment in this uh, in this volume where emma kind of goes through like some of the some of the other characters that are kind of no longer appearing in the series and just kind of like goes through and just like oh yeah like you know these these people are, are still important to me and it's kind of that that sort of that's kind of so much of what powers the series it feels like everybody is important here it's not like you have kind of the expendable sort of you know red shirt characters effectively like everybody here is important and has a part to play
0: yeah. Oh, if if nothing else, the the loss of any one of them would probably make everyone cry, because yeah. you know that was yeah. There's a lot of powerful Emma moments in this volume that make it worthwhile alone. Also, the revelation that Ray can cook really well.
1: <laughs> yeah, which which yeah is fantastically. Like, I like. I took that as one of the images we we may use on social media simply because like one of the weird things that has maybe been going on throughout the series, but I noticed more in this volume is that there are lots of really kind of. Uh, over-the-top sound effects on panels. And that was one of them where Rave reveals that he can cook just with the, the sound effect of boom. And I can kind of imagine him just, like, dropping the mic. He's like, yeah, I can cook. Bang. Well, he has
0: he has a really sour face when he's saying it. So, yes, <laughs> boom. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So that that was, that was real good. And I, I will say while you're talking about emotional moments, like this, this won't mean anything to anybody who, who hasn't read the series up to this point, but the reveal about the flower just absolutely like caught in my throat and and the the way it's shown like in terms of like the artwork and paneling is is really good but that was just like a intake of breath like oh whoa kind of moment that is really really smart
0: i think that yeah it's really smart as well because it also lays that entire thing to dare into to to bed like there's no more questions about what the hell that thing is because also it's the flower is like one of the most powerful initial images of the series because it's like bam there it Mm. is
1: and it keeps coming back as well
0: well yeah and also when they do explain it it's like here it is here's what the point of this is and you're just like shit like it is really powerful um yeah it's really chilling i'm getting i'm I'm actually getting chills thinking about it again thanks andy um (laughs) i so between me and you and very quick mention that this is like a mid-series spoiler i suppose so if you want to skip on about 30 seconds so apologies but i i I know this is foolish. I know it's wrong, Andy, but I still expect Norman to turn up again. Yeah. Like, my God. Oh, what, I. I know he's probably very dead, very dead. But oh man, come on, give me back him. Give me him. Give give him back.
1: Yeah. It's, it's also one of the harsh things about this series is like when you get the like the character introduction stuff at the start of each volume, and they just cross out the dead people. It's just like no, gone, gone. And it's like yeah, I still I still have that exact same thing. It's like well, we haven't seen it with our own eyes, so
0: maybe i i i don't dare to hope i don't dare to hope andy i really don't no, But no. if he did turn up i'd be really happy and <laughs> I, also I, I know he would come along with some insane explanation of what the hell happened to him
1: yeah that that's just it like if, if they can write that well like i i would be all for it like i i wouldn't want them to do it and to be one of those moments where the, the series jumps the shark but yeah like it, it's kind of hard not to, to hold out that one. okay maybe
0: it could happen yeah oh well well i i have lots of faith now they've set up more they've set stakes again i feel very happy to keep reading this series Also looking forward to the anime although i barely have time to watch anime right now but
1: yeah yeah really interested to see how that turns out and my my final thing is i I will i will give kudos to the unexpected cameo of jammy dodgers in this volume
0: oh yeah
1: (laughs) it's like i was not expecting to see that in promise neverland oh if
0: only they had party rings (laughs) god party rings in anime okay cool so man we went along but yeah promise neverland still gets our seal of approval i guess Indeed. Jeez, cool so oh, moving on to this uh week's um stuff and man we picked a pair of barn burners to cram in a week of gap so whew. so first and foremost if you don't mind is my pick um mm-hmm. and this is the newly digitally available a bride's story by Kaoru mori published by yen press um it is currently at nine to ten nine volumes released in the um in english speaking and 10 volumes in japan it's currently ongoing both here and in japan originally you can buy it in physical hardback volumes and now available digitally on most storefronts i personally would recommend kobo because it's cheaper than anywhere else i don't know what yen press is doing there but am happy to throw money at them through there frankly because it's cheaper um so yeah this is um karimori is an anchor i have kind of an almost stupid amount of respect for and would kind of bow if I ever saw her, which would be highly embarrassing for both me and them. Um, so, Kara Mori is amazing and she previously drew and wrote and produced the manga Emma, a Victorian romance, which was adapted into two seasons of anime and was basically about a like star crossed lovers, um, you know, upstairs, downstairs, Victorian maid meets master love story. And it was like painstakingly. Excruciatingly, pain carefully researched, and kind of intersected with a lot of um, Karu Mori's predilections and love of maids, like real deal maids, not frigging cafe maids. Um, And a bride's tale, a bride's story. I keep trying to call it the bride's tale. It's really not. Um, and a bride's story picks up on some of that still because it is another like tour de force of Karu Mori drawing her hand off and researching the ever loving bejesus out of everything, which really comes through. But a synopsis um so a bride story um picks up where it um looks into a pair of characters amir and Karluk. um they live on the edge of the caspian sea around the turn of the 19th century i believe um and so they uh live in basically asia minor i suppose you'd call it sort of the caspian sea caucasus sort of region over there um fascinating sort of planes and such, you know, Silk Road style area. Um there's been a recent series by Joanna Lumley traveling the Silk Road, which honestly been pretty good. So if you can stomach Joanna Lumley gum f- mugging at the camera, totally worth a totally worth a watch. Um and so basically this girl, Amir, who's 20, gets married off to the 12 year old Karluk, who is the son, the current scion of the uh fam- of a nearby family. Uh, living about a few days horse ride away from her like home nomadic village and it's basically comes in with Amir turning up they have a they have a wedding on page two and then basically from there it's her settling into her strange new life um and getting used to things you know sort of finding her place in the extended family she's now in getting used to the fact that, you know, she's got a 12-year-old husband, a groom even. And just, you know, it's a very slow pan across this sort of situation. And there's store clouds on the horizon because there's some tension around the fact that Amir's tribe somewhat regret marrying her off and sending her away when there's other stakes and other sort of, like, crazy dynast- dynastic nonsense to be going on. And... So yeah, it's that sort of thing where it has a lot of very slow chapters. There's one entire chapter, which is about one of the youngest um, children in the family who is like just falls in with a wood carver. And it's dope because you just have this kid hanging around this wood carvers and you get these amazing, amazing detailed artwork of people carving wood, like support beams and stuff. Looks dope. And yeah, so the most, most important thing I can mention is that the art is absolutely absurd even in later chapters towards the end of the volume once it's calmed down from the sheer sort of hedonistic heights of volume of chapter one it looks amazing like the art the, de- the detail the slav the slavish devotion to design the the clothing of the characters like the sheer historicity of it and also the subtle differences between the different characters their different stations their ages their gender their roles in the local family it's amazing it's really beautiful And it also is imbued with an amazing sense of life. Like one of the most amazing things in this for me, and I kept seeing and I just appreciate it for being difficult to do is whenever a character turns and they have earrings and you can see that the earrings are in mid motion and their individual individual parts are moving with them. And it's not just like speed lines or, you know, motion lines. It is just like a character in mid head turn, the earrings kind of, following them it's fascinating it's an amazing piece of just really elegant drawing and you know you've got horses you've got horseback archery um as part of you know life in the in as a as a formerly nomadic person um and a very sort of um very earnest sort of look at you know the the calm tensions of trying to fit in with a new family feeling a bit out of it you know being the naive but also the cast off because Amir is you know it's agreed upon at one point that she's a bit old for, but to be a bride. You know, she's 20. I mean, hmm, getting up there. And so everyone, you know, there's a lot of tension around that societally. And the one thing I'll say about it, certainly at the moment, is that Amir and Karluk, the main pair, are kind of the most bland of most of the cast because everyone else mostly bounces off of them at the moment. But they're starting to actually, like, show themselves and have a bit more sort of place. Amir, towards the end of the volume, definitely has her moments. Um, so... Really good. And, you know, Karen Moy can draw people, and the amount of, I feel the one thing they've kind of improved a lot has been the expressivity of their faces. Like, characters will, you know, have these wonderful expressions and wide open faces. It's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, really enjoying it. A lot of the characters are really good fun. Um, the art, as I say, is like knock you down with a feather, absurd. Like, you can see why I got a hardback release on nice big paper, because, Pooh boy. Um, I'm reading it on my big 10-inch tablet, and yeah, it looks real nice. Um, So yeah, sorry I went long, Andy. I feel like I do this every single week. Um, But... So what did what did you think of it Andy? I I've kind of gushed endlessly here. So
1: <laughs> yeah, so I mean to start with like I'm absolutely with you on the artwork, like it is incredible, it is sumptuous. And I mean, you you like you were talking about that that whole chapter about the guy kind of, you know, making the the railings and banisters etc. Like I've never before have I seen a manga that has like basically a three-page spread of just like, "Hey, look at this sweet banister." <laughs> and it's just like, "Okay, like, you have drawn this so well that it, it is well deserving of those three pages. So, so go for it, knock yourself out. Um, and that there is there is so much confidence in that artwork as well. Like the the thing that kind of blew me away in in terms of, this, of the sort of the confident artistry of it is the very first page because it's three panels, there is no text, but it tells you so much of the setup of that series without saying a single word. And it's stuff that it all kind of goes back to, you know, regarding kind of the marriage the age difference between the two characters kind of you know the setting and time period but but actually they could probably have skipped all of that because that first page tells you all of that just like bang without any kind of effort or any confusion and it just like it looks great and it just communicates everything that it needs to and kind of the core premise of that series just so effortlessly
0: yeah i'm um, I'm, I'm definitely want to reinforce effortlessly yeah like that's a real good f- word for it even though you know that karen mori probably spent like weeks reading up about it because she's a massive dork in that way. Uh, yeah. by it by her own like author's note at the end
1: yeah, yeah, I, I kind of, I sort of assumed that was what the afterward was going to be like, and it, it exactly was. So uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah, like, again, like you say, the kind of the movement of both objects and people is is really good. Also, I mean, the, the bit where um, Amir is, is hunting, like there's a, a, just a fantastic kind of series of, of panels of, of her just kind of hunting with bow and arrow on this horse. And it's just like, the, the movement and the, the way she kind of swoops down to pick up this rabbit that she shot is just like so acutely observed that like that stuff, you know, I could just kind of luxuriate and and um, you know, sublimate myself in that all day long because that stuff is is really excellent. Which is is kind of interesting to me because I've never read any of Karen Mori's stuff before. I've in terms of her artwork, I've only really seen like the covers of stuff that she's worked on. And none of that has ever really caught me. I feel like she's maybe one of those artists that doesn't make the transition to colour so well. No, yeah. Because it's never really kind of worked for me, but like seeing it kind of properly within this volume, just like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I see why she is kind of lauded for her talent because it looks amazing.
0: Yeah, when she works in colour, it generally kind of assumes a lot of detail and it looks nice, but it looks somewhat flat. Um, but in, in black and white is when, you know, even just seeing characters in normal dress is woof, you know blast your hair off sort
1: of yeah and, and and speaking of normal dress like who is that dude with the glasses in this series is he a time traveler because he looks like he's come out of a completely different era
0: so i this is from me knowing about the series a little more and also frankly looking at the wikipedia page he is henry smith he is an anthropologist who is hanging out at the family's house because basically they're the only ones who don't think he should be run out of um but he he gets his own time later on but yeah he's just hanging out with them at the moment
1: yeah, because um, he's like it, he's
0: it, like he's like homestay sort of thing.
1: Yeah, because it, it's a really weird kind of unspoken thing in that first room. Like I, I saw him like named in kind of like the little kind of sort of family tree thing at the end, but it's just like because he, he's just like everyone else is in this incredible kind of get up and kind of in a traditional garb of these tribes, and there's just this dude kind of in in slacks and a shirt wearing glasses. It's just like you know, it just felt like you know, it's the doctor out of Doctor Who, and this is going to turn in some weird fan fiction at some point because it's just like he just seemed completely out of place compared to. Everybody else. And it just amused me somewhat whenever he turned up because he always seemed to like know something that somebody else didn't as well. It's just like, have you come from the future?
0: Okay, but, yeah, uh, that guy that I really like that character, but I also like the fact that he is not the point of view character, which would be really easy to do, or not easy, but it could be a thing you could do, just a short circuit a bunch of stuff and be like, Oh look, we are this anthropologist. It's just like, no, he's he of anything is the weirdest character of the whole lot because he's totally not really supposed to be there. And the thing I like about him, which kind of speaks to the era for me, and maybe I'm reaching here, but he does feel like a fish out of water, but also he constantly presupposes things and like tries to fit things in boxes, which, you know, whenever he speaks, it's like, "Mm, you kind of got it, mate, but like it's just a goat amulet. What do you want? Like, don't overplay it. What is this? And, you know, so that's what I really like about his character is this weird, creeping sort of like, he's just constantly keeps imposing ideas and it's like, no dude, it's an amulet. What do you want? Like, geez, I do yeah, like one yeah. of the little daughters who the little daughter of the, of the like aunt who really likes Hawks. Like that's dope. Like it's really fun. Just to have a character like just jump into a panel going like Hawks. And it's like, oh yeah, do- Hawks are cool. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, some of the stuff like that is, is really nice, but, uh, but yeah, kind of, I don't know beyond the artwork, I I will say it it felt like this was a series where the artwork was driving the story and not vice-versa it feels very much like a, a kind of a, a tale of like, Carrie Mori wanted to draw this thing this week. So therefore there was a chapter about it, much like kind of the, the guy with the the railings and the, and the banisters. Like there's a, there's a whole bit about sheep herding where you have this great two two page, like spread of, of, of just a herd of sheep, but mm. it just kind of felt like Carrie Mori woke up and was like, man, I really want to draw some sheep. So, okay, here we go. Um, and, and that often kind of felt like, like the deal there as if it was very much like what the author wanted to draw.
0: Yeah, the can't meeting horse sort of thing.
1: Yeah, very much. And that was what kind of spurred on the, the narrative. And and that was, I, I guess, if there was anything that, that kind of disappointed me about it, like it did sometimes feel like I was looking into a doll's house. Like it was all immaculate yeah. and incredible to look at. And I enjoyed looking at that stuff. But I kind of wished that the characters would move more, would have more of a story. And that's particularly true of Amir because... Like you say, she's in an unusual place because, like, she's in a culture where, you know, the women of these tribes get married off as as early as possible so that they can bear children and this, that, and the other. And she has made it to 20 and has basically eventually been palmed off because nobody else would take her. And in a way, like, that amazing first page that I talked about I almost wish that that was the last page of the final volume because I feel like all of Amir's interesting story is probably the build-up to this moment like I really Mm. want to know what her situation was like with her tribe like why were no other kind of why were there no other contenders for her hand in marriage like why was she kind of like the black sheep in that regard especially given as like Even Karamori in the afterward kind of admits like, yeah, I just found all the character traits I liked and just piled them all into this one character. So your typical thing in this kind of story is you'll have a character who, oh, yeah, she's great. Apart from this one thing, like she's a tomboy or she's really belligerent or, you know, this, that and the other. Whereas you kind of look at this character and she's at times she kind of feels like she's one step shy of a, a manic pixie dream girl. Like she's pretty much spot on in like everything that that she does and it's like I really want to come kind of know the story of like what it was like for her seeing her kind of sisters and friends getting married off one by one while she was left on the shelf quote unquote and like why that is the case and what that meant for her relations with you know her family and her tribe and how she felt when she was you know, finally moved off to this tribe to to marry somebody who was eight years younger than her. Like, there's so much I want to know about her and her thought processes and her feelings, and kind of none of that ever really even sort of begins to to breach the surface of, of this volume.
0: Mm, I un- Yeah, that's totally understandable, especially because, like, you know, it teases you at the end of the first chapter with the, oh, her home tribe are not happy about it. And, you know, that seems to set something up, and then there's a rather sort of, cool but also like mid-flow expression of that when they come to take her away and get seen off um although that scene is all all, that's what i mean is that's what i mean when i say that like um i maybe agree that like um you know the rest of the family is way more developed than amir is because tons of stuff happens without her being there that's all way more interesting and it's like oh damn and then you know no one talks to her about it when they come back because it's like "Mm, that'd be awkward yeah, um, yeah. The,
1: the, but the, the, I, also, we, like, I do need to shout out the badass grandma as well. Uh, yeah, that
0: was that's that's literally in my notes right here. Like, like hell yeah, granny. There you go, <laughs> direct from my notes. um But yeah, I I feel like there's more to come of this aspect, and I think the re- like there's a reason why Ami is kind of quiet. um I mean, hell, like my assumption at this point basically is that she was too independent, and so everyone got a bit. I mean, she already seems like a bit superwomanish, and maybe she was just a bit too imposing, and everyone else is like. Mm don't really want to take her on she's a bit much so but you know that's kind of the easy shortcut um the one thing to say about the series in general is that it doesn't just stick with Amir; like it is a series that is a succession of various brides and other stories in this sort of community expanded beyond this one village and such so we're not just going to have like 10 volumes of Amir, sort of you know on a on a, on a sam- 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 around sort of thing so. Okay,
1: that 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 is interesting. Yeah, because like that was one of my things when it comes to that it, it, inevitable, like. do i I want to read more volumes of this and like there wasn't really anything that kind of caught me in to be like apart from the artwork like that was like oh i i need to know what happens next in the story but if it goes and explores other characters and you know maybe has you know more interesting things to say about them then you know i could see that being more of a temptation to, uh, to to persist with it but yeah it's like that that was the the thing that kind of i came away with like this thing looks beautiful and i'll happily like just just stare at it all day but like man i, I kind of wish that it, it told me more about these these gorgeous looking characters that you've uh, you've so lovingly reproduced
0: yeah I'm, I'm with you but i'm also very much on the hook to continue reading it because i do love this um artwork and if you do want something that's caro mori art and her sort of slavish um drawings but also is a bunch of shorts um they've also released um Everything and Something which is her anthology um it's just a bunch of shorts that are one chapters they were like special things drawn for the um anthology she, she writes for and some of them are literally just like hey i've drawn a lot of nice butts uh, <laughs> some of them have very short storylines some of them just basically are an excuse to draw nice derrières and that's kind of it um but yeah god bless Carrie Mori like friggin' like oh amazing but yeah i, I am uh, i am still at qualms with the storyline i mean the one event is when they go see um, Carlux's uncle, which is cool, but also there's, you can tell there's something else there, but the series isn't going to give it to you straight away. So I'm interested to see what happens. Mm, fair enough. But no, definitely on the hook for more. Um, really enjoying it. I'm just glad it's available digitally. Like, I've spent so long complaining about how. Karen Mori stuff isn't available digitally and finally is so
1: yeah yeah I mean again for me it's one of those things where like you know and and not just from you like you know it's it's a name of an author that that comes up quite a lot and it's you know something I've always wanted to explore but it, it is that uh, that perhaps like dumb barrier of like well i don't want to buy physical books of, of this like because what if i don't like it whereas somehow having it digitally is okay so like having it just easily available and accessible like that it definitely kind of closes the gap to like okay yeah i can i can finally see what all the fuss is about
0: yep yep that's that's what i think as well um so we have a question in from um chuo Dori on twitter um thank you very much for the short notice question. Um, so this is more for me because Andy hasn't read any Emma. Um, have you noticed any change in Maury's art style in Bride's Story since her previous work, Emma? Um, I would definitely say that she's become more confident, um, and her like her figures, especially, are far more sort of defined and assured. Um, in particular, I think expressions are a lot more forward. I mean, to be fair, Emma is like set in Victorian England when everyone was like so wound up and self-denying that it was almost it it was a almost a mental condition of the entire country um and so having a lot more careful use of expression in a bride's story is definitely something i enjoy like even you know just characters like you know having eyes going wide is like oh that you know it's powerful it's it's very well defined i think that's definitely the main thing as well as just all the knickknacks like you have different like you know dinner scenes with the family and there's just like you know there's a goat kid in the mid foreground who's just hanging out and you know it's like oh cool a goat so you know it, it it all kind of flows together like that so i feel for me that's definitely the thing that stands out for maury's art style hmm. if she ever did a coffee table book, then and oh, good, good lord good <laughs> lord i'd break my no physical book law for that that's for sure cool so thank you for letting me um harp on that andy and for forcing it on you no that's uh, fine but no so let's move on to your selection um <laughs> yes okay andy it's, this is yours now um you can go from you can go with this is your bed to sleep in now
1: yeah yeah so uh, so my pick for this podcast was that uh, last and first idol which is uh, i've been told a great pains to, to point out is a collection of novellas it is not a light novel please don't say that yeah we got um, told
0: off sorry J yeah. Club, and,
1: and uh so this this is a series of uh, three short stories basically penned by uh, Gingen kusano um and uh man i mean you, you you said that you were gonna have this as like it, i i kind of stole one of your potential picks and i i wish i'd let you had it because then you would have had to try and explain what the hell goes on in this uh in this book for the, for the podcast but apparently that's on me now um so i guess uh we should sort of start at, uh start at the end with this and start with, with the afterward because basically the the main story of this this uh, triumvirate. Of, oh, Andy, uh, of no! Don't tell coloring,
0: people that. Don't. Ah,
1: oh. I, I I feel like it's important. So it's no, gonna...
0: no, I I like it more as a sort of gut punch afterwards.
1: <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, I guess we could just leave it and say that uh, that it is the uh, it is the Fifty Shades of Grey of uh, of kind of weeds. Anime novels um, because it started out as fan fiction. I won't say for what. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, it, it was a fan fiction that's basically had its characters renamed, been renamed to turn it into a, a proper story in inverted commas. Uh, and it is the story of a girl called uh, Mika Frulitsky, who uh, basically, when she's born, she's kind of like constantly crying and wailing like her parents try a multitude of things to like quieten her down and ultimately it's kind of a an idol concert coming on tv that actually shuts her up and kind of stops her stops her crying and screaming so From that point forth, they kind of just shower her in idol-related DVDs, etc., just to kind of keep her quiet, and of course, as a result, she turns into this this girl who's just, like, absolutely obsessed with idols, and she kind of goes to to a school to to try and become an idol herself. She falls in with this other girl who is kind of your typical, like, perfect, good-at-everything girl who's... They basically kind of strike up a friendship, although it's a kind of weird one, Um, and then Things move on. Time moves on. The world kind of almost ends in an extinction level event. And that's when things start to get kind of weird, to put it mildly. Um, so you kind of reach this point where like the, the world is, is pretty screwed up. Um, Mika herself basically dies. And then uh, was it like hundreds of years? I think she's like resurrected by her friend in it's only,
0: and so it's only thirty years. Done, only thirty, done,
1: done, 30 done. years. I I thought it was longer than that for some reason. So yeah. So basically, she gets resurrected in what becomes like one of the hallmarks of, of this story in particular, but the book as a whole. In this terms of this really kind of uh, really clinically described sort of body horror. So like Mika mm-hmm. is, is brought back to life effectively as a brain just connected to a bunch of other people's organs just to kind of like sustain her and it just becomes weirder and weirder. It's basically kind of her her evolution as the the state of this, this completely kind of screwed up planet changes. Um, she kind of evolves and changes herself to survive in this world where most of the population has died out. What, what is left of the populace are kind of messed up in all kinds of physical and mental ways. And it just, it just goes and goes like it's mm. sort of uh, I I don't really know how to to describe it. It reminds me, like, if anybody's ever played the game uh, Paperclips Unlimited, it's kind of a bit like that. So, like, Paperclips Unlimited is a clicker game where you start off as um, just, like, some guy who runs a paperclip factory, and by the end of that game, you're turning all of the mass of the universe into paperclips, and there are invading aliens and all sorts of other weirdness. And it kind of reminded me a lot of that clicker game because... Again, it starts out with this very simple, like, "Oh, here's a girl who wants to become an idol," and then it kind of becomes about traveling the, the the length and breadth of the universe in just increasingly kind of bizarre, bizarre ways. In just in ways, just a flood of kind of scientific terminology, which again is all kind of very clinical. and written very factually like it it feels like this is written as a documentary like it's just very much like yeah and then this is what happened and it that is kind of both a blessing and a curse because you know it's part of kind of what makes the 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 whole thing tick is just this feeling that like no this is this is kind of a considered scientific kind of evolution um but at the same time it's like it's kind of exhausting to read at some point because it, it just it just goes and it's just very, very dense for the entire time.
0: Yeah, the thing, the thing I will say for both this and the other stories, my first line of um, my notes, of which I took a lot, is um, the way I describe the way it describes everything and also its prose is vibrant and galloping. Like, it doesn't stop, it doesn't canter, it doesn't walk, it's just going, like it's, it's going whether you like it or not um which is kind of one of the things i like about it because it never lets up because if it did let up it would give you time to kind of stop look around and go wait a fucking minute what the balls is this you know it's real it it has to keep going because if it does stop you're going to fall off the wagon real fast because it's only momentum that's keeping you there even if like especially for this first story i kind of fell off the wagon around like chapter three when it got really body horror-ish um like the first 2 i was really on for it because i was really enjoying it and then man what okay but then you know the sheer momentum of it carried me through um but also just the sheer like the constant way of just going yep yeah, this is the way it is here's a bunch of descriptions i got from physics and wikipedia this is how it is this is how it is now we're going to keep moving and it's like okay geng geng kusano like fucking go for it mate um i will say like both this and the other stories have like a decent amount of physics and cosmology which was my degree and frankly although you could you could pick it apart he's kind of on the money which is quite, actually quite scary um being who i am and like having my like vaguely still working physics knowledge is like oh no yeah this guy knows what he's on about that's actually somehow worse <laughs> yeah you see that that's one
1: of the things i was wondering about because like the book certainly as somebody who you know just about scraped through his physics GCSE like I, I, I totally bought into it because it's all done with such confidence of just like yeah and then this happened and then they you know then then this was performed on this and thus the result was whatever it's like okay you sound like you know what you're talking about I'm sure some of this is probably nonsense but you are you are telling it to me in a way that makes me believe that yeah sure you've probably done some research or at least kind of know the the vagaries of how this would work and yeah sure okay I believe you
0: yeah i feel like the instruction i feel like the descriptions especially when they're between two characters are just long enough to be bearable like i feel like if they tried to go too far into ghost in the shell style philosophical arguments i would immediately close the book and never mm. look back
1: yeah so, again again it is that like very much a scientific document like it's not asking whether anybody should be doing any of this it's like yeah this is what happens so like, yeah when the when the, the mask
0: slip sorry andy sorry
1: so, yeah, sorry, carry on.
0: No, but so when the mask does slip or it shows its hand, it says, yeah, this is terrible. Like, this isn't actually a good thing, you know, but, hey, this is the story. So that actually kind of helps yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a weird and, way.
1: And, and a lot of that is is just kind of very throwaway comments. I mean, one, one of the things that I do is sometimes the, the writing also gets weirdly obsessed with some tiny kind of sides detail that is completely unimportant, but it just feels the need to mention. Like, there's a great point when kind of like humanity is, is basically that the, the final remnants of humanity are kind of being extinguished and the, the author just can't get past the fact that like oh yeah and all the humans have to wear hats and it just yeah. has to keep going back like several times it's like yeah you know they've been they, they were trying their best but they just had to wear these hats and it's just like it means it has absolutely no consequence on any of the big picture stuff that's happening but it just really tickled me it's just like yeah man and those hats
0: but you i mean andy let's face it you know if if humanity was doomed you'd still get bike shedding going on like <laughs> that's what humans would do in the face of apocalypse is complain about what hats they're wearing. Um, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure there would, uh, there would be, you know, many, uh, many hot takes on uh, on the, on the headwear in that kind of era. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will say like out of the three stories, like the one that probably worked the best for me is the second one, uh, yeah, which for starters, like it, I, I mean, it was really obvious from the get-go that it was kind of riffing on Kimono Friends for, as its yeah. as as starting point. And then, of course, when you get to the, after, the author's like, yeah, I watched Kimono Friends. And, like, it got me thinking about this stuff. Um, but basically, it's about a girl who gets completely obsessed with with mobile games and gacha games. Um, and she falls into a, a big hole of, of being obsessed with that. Of course, while she's playing said game on on her way to the convenience store one day, she gets hit by a truck um, because she wasn't... Ah, yes, anime. Yeah, which, again, is the most anime thing. Uh, But somehow she gets reincarnated in this weird kind of... this alternate world that is also a gacha game where she basically just starts off as, like, a single-celled organism and can, like, pick up cards to uh, and pick up points to uh, improve her body and, you know, survive and evolve. And, like, that that was way more, that was kind of the most interesting one to me like I really liked the the way that went again at some point I kind of started to to dial up, to zone out of it a little bit because it kind of yeah. it went and went and went until you know the, the the literal ends of the ends of the earth and the ends of the universe but I really liked a lot of what that did for kind of a good two-thirds of it like it was kind of smart in the way it built that up it kind of added in other characters and the relationships between them and like that that was the most satisfying of the three for me like it, that was the one that, that worked for me
0: i just realized did did you trick me into reading an isekai work
1: <laughs> i mean in a weird sort of way that's exactly what it is i mean there, there were in that way, like yeah this is kind of a little bit like uh, so i'm a spider so what like you know you you're dumped into this world with all these video game systems and you have to kind of work out where they're at and there's a point where she kind of can put points into an ability that kind of gives her like flavor text for everything to let her figure out what stuff is and it's just like yeah this feels a lot like so I'm a spider so what at this point but then again it kind of goes you know, it goes off the, the map to a, a crazy degree. And again, there's, there's, there's a bit less body horror in this one, but there are certainly moments where I was just like, oh, oh, this description is a little... I, I'm, I'm eating my toast while I'm reading this. This is a really bad idea.
0: Man, you messed up. I hope that yeah. toast didn't have jam on it.
1: Uh, unfortunately, it did, which only, only made it worse. Like oh oh this is this is a bad a bad a bad choice a bad life decision.
0: <laughs> I have messed up. Yeah, yeah, I I really like that. I really like the second story, Evolution Girls, because like even the afterword. Like when I was reading it, I thought, hmm, this feels like X meets Y, and then I read the afterword, and it's like, yeah, I thought about mixing X and Y, and I'm like, yep, knew it. Um, I feel like all of them, especially the first two, kind of come from a place of you know being drowned in the anime pool, as it were, and kind of writing these gonzo but also kind of spiteful but also lovingly so takes on them in these stories. Like in both yeah. cases it shows a very keen understanding of what is happening and, you know, the kind of, you know, subverting but also just abusing conventions and normal pathways and still ripping the piss out of it. So, you know, in the most loving way of like, hey, I play gacha games too. Wouldn't it be nice if we we fucking didn't? So <laughs> Yeah, I mean the, the, the Evolution Girls in particular does a thing that um uh where it kind of gets to a point where it kind of realizes its outstate is welcome. Both the first two stories, in fact, I think the third one does it as well, where it, it it gets to a point and it hangs around for about half a chapter too much, and then it goes, "Yeah, I should probably just pull the time skip lever," and then you go time skip to like another point later on. Thankfully, which you know some of those skips are like overdue, some of which are like, "Whoa, okay." Okay, let's see what's happening now. And also yeah. both both the first two stories have this commonality where like they're a flat circle. In fact, all three of them are like a flat circle. Like everything gets explained in a way where you go you get to the end and you go fuck, you had this whole thing planned out, didn't you? Damn it. Like, you know, you feel like you've had one pulled over on you because the author has just like quite looped everything around into this weird tight nugget of like weird gonzo. I sorry, I use that word too much already, but like you know, everything has a reason and it's happy to point that out. And then you just are there going, shit, <laughs> I've been got.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, like given the the similarities and sort of the, the, the way the, the, all three of the stories kind of pan out like i think i think probably the biggest disadvantage that that we both had and again this was perhaps not the best time to to pick this is like we both read this book in in incredibly short order just like all three stories one after the other in, in a very short period of time and i don't think that's the optimal way to to read this book like I certainly like the third story just kind of washed over me entirely and i'm not sure that that's so much the fault of the story itself so much of the fact that like it was the third one of those in two days. And I was just kind of like, I, I. I'd had my fill of that conceit and that whole kind of, you know, way of, of of dealing with the story and so I was just kind of mentally checked out by that point. Whereas if probably if you leave yourself a decent kind of air gap between each story and, you know, don't read them all in an incredibly short order, your mileage may well vary because I I think you'll you're best served giving yourself a bit of breathing space between each of these uh, these tales.
0: Yeah, I feel like yeah, I'm with you, Andy, because I read it in like a I read it in like a day and a half and frankly as you say it it kind of does the stories a disservice because you get so into the mode of just reading one after another that like it is not this intense but it feels like a game of mad libs but with weirdo you know sort of otaku bait words um the third one also like dark say also has a ton of gross crap in it as well like the, the the body horror is described just enough to be gross but not enough for me to throw the book away because i'm a very squeamish person um yeah but yeah the third story dark say sorry I'm taking over from you but like is basically um God so say you are a new wor- is a new word for these pseudo humans who have a laryngeal sac which can like vibrate at certain frequencies and create laser beams and also ma- manipulate electromagnetic fields to move spacecraft and so basically say you have become like a like a combination spacecraft slash you know emo like environment adjusting thing and it's really bizarre like it it kind of does like mock the whole say you fandom where it turns them into bizarro furniture who are shorn of re- of any real like violition but it also has a crazy cosmology back end to it which like there is again in this one the end of the world and it's real fucking wild like real like i don't know i feel like the author had that image in in mind and then wrote the best they could about it and then it's like oh we got the rest of the story uh but also dark say you in particular the worst main character like not as in bad to read or bad as someone to read about but just an reprehensible awful creature just a horrible person
1: yeah yeah again it's it's very much like there's a very clear kind of line of of commentary there on you know kind of the the idol industry and that you know what, what you see is not necessarily what you get with uh, with idols or, or also hilariously kind of like makes use of, of the idea of, of yuri baiting as this yep. kind of like entire entire kind of social structure that the idols must adhere to and it's just like just seeing that that kind of premise just dropped into the middle of all this weird sci-fi stuff that did kind of amuse me a little bit but yeah like that say is kind of like macross but completely bonkers i guess at the end of the day yeah. um but uh, yeah i don't know it's it's i i i almost wish that i'd kind of just like saved that particular story and read it a week later to see how it sat with me because i did find myself kind of skipping over it almost somewhat and just kind of speed reading it because it's like yeah like i I, I know, I know what the bit that this author is doing is now, and I kind of know how this goes. And it's really just a case of the, the exact steps it takes to get there. But yeah. perhaps in, in in a fresher frame of mind, you know, I, I might have found a little bit more to uh, to enjoy. But uh, but yeah, certainly certainly a good apocalypse in that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, the last third of Dark you I kind of slightly glazed over due to the same reasons of just like wanting to get the book done. If anything, because I wanted to like chew over the other parts of it for this podcast cause the whole thing w- was sitting heavy you know it was like eating a very big dinner um and then still having more potatoes and no granny i don't want potatoes no nan no you get the idea um yeah.
1: For, for sure but yeah i mean it, it, you know it's it's worth uh it is certainly very much worth reading the the author's notes at the end of the book and I, Yeah, that I'm that's nice that's
0: related. probably the, the secret fourth story is the author's notes
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's basically it, it explains so much because like the, the first thing he says is like effectively like the trouble with otaku is that they're they're not just nerds for one thing they're usually nerds for a multitude of things and they just want to smash them all together into like a single world view and that's basically what i did for all of these stories so sorry (laughs) and it's like yeah
0: because because we know it as well you know yeah
1: yeah exactly so uh, you know i mean we we live in a world where we both like girls and panzer because we are interested in the anime and also the tanks it's like yeah we we are guilty as charged
0: yep yep certainly definitely but yeah it's I th- yeah, I feel like Dark Sayu is a bit of a cleaner story, and I really like it. But would liked it more if I had time to kind of stew on it um, on its own. I did like Evolution Girls um, because, you know, I'm a Gacha slave. It's good fun. It kind of it does it takes all that and runs with it to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, that's had it's that's had all of it wrung out. I'm done. Like I don't need any more from that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's fascinating as well because it does the the one thing the author does across all stories is. Like it's clear there's a whole world beyond their short snippet, their novella look into it, but you don't need to know about any of it for this look, and also you don't really want to because it'll just weigh down the already quite heady and exhausting world you're being shuttled through very quickly
1: yeah yeah i mean i th- I think hopefully like this is I-, I find myself kind of coming into to this podcast like really not sure what I wanted to to say about um, about any of these stories in terms of like normally it's so easy like oh yeah like I think you should read this because this is cool or I don't think you should read this because it's trash but this like I I really don't know but I I hopefully like the discussion we've had will have given you things to to pick up on and you say oh no that sounds like something that I would hate whether it's like the body horror or, or the weird kind of incessant hard sci-fi descriptions or whether that's something like conversely looking at like, yeah, that's totally like my, that's totally my bag. I, I will be, be in for that. So yeah. uh, like hopefully people will be able to figure out whether this is something that may interest them or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, from my point of view and also as a way of trying to recommend it in a weird sort of like, but also accepting it's got loads of problems. Like if you can deal with the body horror, if you can deal with the sort of Bullshit techno babble, which take it from an actual failed physicist, most of it checks out. Hell, Dark you is kind of legit at the end when they explain what the hell is going on. And the end of it is real wild. Like I was expecting another chapter and it wasn't one. And I was like, what the th-? <laughs> hang on, what? That's the end? Like, right, but it also makes sense, but it is still quite annoying. Um, but yeah, one thing also um that Dark Seiyu does is it has probably the best and least heavy-handed sort of diss on social media. Um, which I'm not going to say anymore because when it happens, it's the best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's actually really good. I mean, again, that's the weird thing about like i've talked about how how clinical they all are in their language and how utterly focused on like the 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 science and the kind of almost documentary style kind of retelling of them but there are also some real good gags in in all of these like whether it's the aforementioned hat thing or yeah like the the some of the social media stuff in dark say like there's some actual good little snippets of comedy that kind of come out of that that morass of kind of body horror and weird science
0: yeah, and the sheer absurdity. Like, if you like the if you like the absurdity, you're well served here. But yeah, it reminded me, like, because I used to in my university years, I basically lived in the used bookstore and bought tons and tons and tons of pulpy sci-fi. You know, E. E. Doc Smith uh, with his Lensman stories, his other stories he wrote, which are all hilarious to read now because holy shit, dude, could you be more passively sexist? <laughs> um, like, basically, Lensman is the is the precursor to Star Wars in some way because some of the same ideas bleed through. like they say you in particular but also all three of them do take on this sort of pulpish rompish you know um writing for a magazine and needing your paycheck sort of angle to it where like hey this story i've started this story it's got to end somehow like and all that but with more nerdery so yeah i i really I, i i'm finding it hard to fully explain but i i enjoyed this book but i do feel like i've taken some scars away from it at the same time, if Gengen Kusano releases anything else and that's, it's translated, I'm probably going to queue up to read it because, yeah, fucking go for it, dude. Like, you clearly have more ideas than you actually know what to do with. So I'm happy to keep going. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what, if anything, he does next, because, yeah, like there's there's clearly something there. And I'd, I'd kind of I'd be interested to see him tackle something that's, you know, may, maybe from a slightly different angle or, or, you know, without the same kind of, you know, uh, the same kind of general cadence of these stories. But, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be, be curious. It'll be a, a name that I keep an eye out for, if nothing else
0: yeah the as i say the author's note is one of the most most illuminating parts of it which you know they even say that oh gengen kusuno has speed on their side they can they can synthesize and you know consume media and then synthesize it into a story fast i'm like yeah that's that's the um you know the um, zeitgeist for anime that's for sure (laughs) um but yeah man that the thing the, the 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 twist or the crux in the creation of the first story like i know we hinted at the beginning but don't spoil it for yourself like go read the story and then find out about it because holy cow yeah
1: it's yeah on so many levels it's like oh yeah that that makes perfect sense but also oh my god
0: yeah i i I basically like i yelled so loud the cats got upset um (laughs) because i was like what anyway but yeah that's um that's last and first idol a series of novellas and if you've got anything else to put on it before we go to questions
1: uh yeah no no nothing uh, nothing else to say
0: yeah i gotta admit like yeah it's in general you can boil it down to what the fuck um but yeah it's a good it's a i I enjoyed it although i'm yeah um so we have a question from um regular friend of the show at this point demel's award um quote um oh two questions here um does last and first idol make you worry about the future of human of the human race and their gacha addictions and like yeah but we have other bigger problems at the moment. I would be more worried about Gacha. Hell, I looked at my own bank balance the other day and was worried about my bank balance in Gacha. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I. I feel like we have other things to be worrying about right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also like gambling has been an an issue for as long as mankind itself. So like in a weird way, like it's not even a new problem. It's just kind of a different manifestation of a problem that has, uh, has haunted, uh, haunted humanity for, uh, for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, I mean, as, as as long as there are no extinction level events that uh, that cause anything like last and first idols craziness in my lifetime, I'll be quite happy. Because uh ha- having having read these novels, it's like, yeah, I kind of don't want the world to end anytime soon in any of these scenarios.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, the, yeah, the the the, gadget, the, the thing about in gambling in particular, like, hey, at least I've got an anime JPEG to show for it instead of a copy of the Racing Post. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's a real low bar. Christ. Okay, and which story ended up your favourite? Um for me it was Evolution Girls. Like the, the, the premise of it got a bit thin towards the end and it kind of but equally I enjoyed the ride. Like the final the the quote unquote final battle against the whatever the dick they fought was real crazy, although it went a bit long and gross but yeah, yeah fascinating
1: yeah yeah like likewise for me like yeah evolution girls was the best one and, and also like perhaps lead, kind of uh looping us back into the first question i did find myself like reading through that being like actually this would actually make kind of an interesting gacha game like somebody oh, should no. probably make yeah. this thing
0: oh no it would that's the scary part <laughs> also what the fuck kind of premium gacha like um gives you normals what the fuck like Evolution Girl sucks. Like don't don't put normals in the paid gacha. Yeah, yeah, it's much
1: much like uh, much like life itself, I guess. Uh, sometimes you get a bad hand.
0: Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's um god what? Weird. Weird. Um but yeah, that's um last and first idol. Um Jesus. So with that, uh we can talk about what we're talking about next time. Um so as mentioned, October is a complete hell month, um especially for Andy. And so I have drafted in a guest host for next time um, for who I'm going to splice in his audio or bit of audio with what he's chosen because he's still deciding. For me, I am picking um, the first volume of Gundam The Origin. It is, I think, a 12 volume work released by Vertical. It's in hardback, physical only, but... If you want to read it week by week, you can read it on Comic Walker. And it's like one of the three or so series they actually keep updating. And so a good chunk of it is available there for free to read in browser. Um, They've taken down their iOS and Android apps um, because I launched them and it said, hey, this hasn't been active for a year. And I went, oh, mm, (laughs) that's fair. Um, So, yeah, Gundam the Origin is available to read for free on the Internet legally. So that's why I'm going to be reading it because I ain't buying a physical book. And whatever Pats chooses will be spliced in here. Okay. And so moving on to the one of the last things, um, what's coming up in the world of manga? Um, we looking at the release list. So the day this releases, the 16th of October, the second volume of The Voidnich Hotel comes out. So I'm probably going to get it to see what the hell happens next.
1: Yep, likewise here. So, yeah, expect some, some kind of returning champion segment at some point because I suspect we'll probably both want to talk about that.
0: Yep. Also coming out on the 23rd of October is uh, a somewhat shameful series, I suppose, but whatever, is um, Plus-Sized Elf, um, which is basically about an elf lass who comes from a different world and comes into the human world and discovers she really likes French fries <laughs> and uh, gets eats too many and gets a bit tubby and then needs help to slim down so she can get back to the elf land. Um, it's basically like, the, like cards on the table. It's comedic. It's funny. It's basically um, a story written and written and drawn by a former Hentai artist who likes his characters a bit on the tubby side and so basically this entire manga is as close as you can get to being etchy without going over the edge um, but I don't know for me, I kind of like it because it, it has its heart in the right place with the characters. It's not mean or spiteful it's kind of cute, but again, you know it's very much this guy's thing as it were.
1: Mm, yeah that that sounds like a series that could go wrong in so many ways so it, it sounds kind of uh, it's, it's kind of grateful that it doesn't go in any of the obvious directions
0: yeah it could very easily do so um i know that it's gone a few volumes in japan and the author hasn't been arrested yet so probably a good sign um but yeah that's yeah the it's real funny whenever, like, people take a liking to a series and then on Twitter they go, wait, this guy drew porn? And it's like, dude, like, everyone fucking draws porn. It's it's manga.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's usually just a case of, like, overt they are about it or whether they just hide it beyond uh, behind, like, various pseudonyms.
0: Yeah, I mean, hell, the author of Yotsuba, like, at one point um drew porn. Like, that's not a surprise. It, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah, quick side note. One thing about Last and First Idol I wanted to run past you. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name, but the guy who directed Tammy Galaxy
1: um misaki yuasa yeah
0: get misaki yuasa to direct an animated like ova of one of these stories like,
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah I, I was gonna say like no why would you do that and then remember devil man crybaby it's like oh yeah he should totally do that
0: <laughs> yeah imagine imagine how much he can just go to the wall for all the crazy descriptions like
1: <laughs> man. yeah that that would uh, that would be something
0: yeah i mean mine game was already wild enough christ <laughs> cool um okay so thank you very much for listening this has been your episode of screen tone club you can find this and other episodes on screen we're also on apple Podcasts, spotify um Podbay, i think um if you like the podcast please please tell a friend tweet about it let people know you're listening to it that stuff is really big and helps in a massive organic way getting more people to listen um, if you can stomach it and you're feeling kind a rating and a review on your pod service of choice is magnificent um, thank you very much if you have done it I know some of you have um, if you want to keep, catch up with us on Twitter you can um, the Twitter handle is at Screentone Club. we post pictures and like v- we've started trying to be more you know interactive on there um, you can also email us at show at ScreenTone.Club that will shove it straight into a folder labeled email but for us um, and so personal stuff, uh, my name is Elliot Page. You can find me at Elliot Page on Twitter, although I'm taking a break because oof, the world's a bit wild. Um, also coming back up once by the time this show releases will be the manga search engine, uh, Manga Search, manga, S-E-A-R dot which I've nearly got working on a whole new tech stack. And so you can use it to find legal sources for manga digitally available to you in the UK. So I've nearly just about got that working again. Thank Christ. And sorry about that, Andy. How about you?
1: Yeah, so my name is Andy Hanley, and you can probably find me sobbing in a corner for much of the next month. Uh, But I'm also available on Twitter at Hannahs1979.
0: Cool. So, yeah, as again, thank you, everyone who's checked out the Patreon means the world to us. And thank you, everyone, just for listening. Um, Hope you have a lovely week. So from us, good night. Bye, everyone. Bye.